2: Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan.
3: This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
2: Yes, sir. Welcome back in, everybody. And thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I'm doing a lot better from last week. I can tell you that much. My voice is back, my energy's back. That was brutal trying to do a show on COVID, but I don't have it today. I am negative. We are good. Back from the expo, 100% healthy, live on YouTube, live on bellyup.tv, live on the Foxy Network app for your TV devices, and, of course, make sure you're downloading us on your favorite podcast app and giving us a five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dahauer and our intern's also back from her lovely vacation. Danielle, how's it going?
0: It's going good. How
2: are you guys? We are excellent. Chris, how are you? You are You didn't catch my COVID through the microphone last week, did you?
1: I did not. I'm, I'm very happy that you're doing well. I also do not have, contrary to reports, have COVID toe. So I just want to put that okay. on the record. Can you take um, off but you yeah.
2: for you to verify?
1: Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm like, both Hall of Famers. Yeah, I don't bend that way. I'm sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing really well. I'm excited. I'm really excited for the show. I can't wait to kind of dive into it. Excited to have Danielle joining us. And, you know, great to have our host back and healthy.
2: Yes, it is. Danielle, what are we talking about tonight?
0: We are talking about Best 5, Bus 5, and Sleeper 5 Tight Ends.
2: And that's the last of the tight ends. I mean, last of the positions that we're talking about, the Best 5, Bus 5, Sleeper 5 series. Chris, I, I had to do like a, not a double take, but a triple take this morning. When I had to realize we're only one extra week away from being done with all season content. Like we're two weeks away from having that Wednesday, which is going to be the look ahead Wednesday for week one. And we're going to start previewing games. That's how close we are to the regular season right now. Two weeks away. Threw me for a loop the other day. Guys, make sure my rankings are up to date. Make sure you check them out on Fantasy Sports. Dot com, especially this weekend. I know there's going to be a lot of drafts this weekend. Next weekend, you can download it, use it as a cheat sheet. Make sure you utilize that. I'm not the only one. There's a couple other guys there are really great there too. So just utilize sports.com. Utilize this show as a tool to help you guys get off the right foot by getting a solid, nice foundation in your drafts, and we'll be well on our way to a championship. I can guarantee you that. Danielle, we're going to see you a little bit later on. In the meantime... Let's go ahead and dive into these tight ends. Starting off with the very, very top. The best five. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta!
3: A little
2: delay there. No problem whatsoever, though. Look, we got the best five tight end thumpers for you guys. Starting off with our number five, who I'm actually going to spend more time talking about as of the five. And that's Darren Waller. His ADP is at five. I got him ranked at five. He's five across the board. Actually all five tight ends. I'm right in line with the ECR and the ADP. Like there's no difference, which is, which is odd because I had Kyle Pitts a little bit lower. I actually wound up moving him up, but I'm no different, but I will say this about Darren Waller. When it comes to Darren Waller, we have to watch that hamstring injury. If, that continues. I may move Schultz in which should be music to Chris's ears.
1: Yeah, seeing a guy that was kind of missing in that top five. But Darren Waller is a guy that you know definitely can finish the top five. One of the stronger options you can have. Um, you know, coming off a season where he definitely started off well, but then had that kind of stretch where he does get injured. That's my knock on Darren Waller's guy's getting over you know, 30 years old this year, didn't renew his contract. You know, you see the Raiders kind of cut house. A lot of different guys are willing to move on from so I'm a little bit concerned about having Darren Wall in my top five, but I think you can make a strong argument. He does, he belongs there just as much as anybody else does based on the track record he's, he's performed.
2: Look, the reason why I have him at top five, especially over Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz is not as talented. He's not as athletically gifted. And we're talking about a elite, over elite. The talent at that point does matter to me. I do recognize, of course, that Dalton Schultz, who's my number six tight end, by the way, honorable mention there, is going to get a good amount of targets his way there's there's absolutely no dispute about that but Darren Waller is a matchup nightmare and I do believe he's healthy out in the field it'll be him and Devontae Adams leading the way as far as the pass catchers go He, but the hamstring injury to your point and his history of being banged up especially last season is the reason why I felt like we had to at least had the conversation about okay Waller's five but keep an eye on this because everybody else, I feel like, is clear-cut. I mean, George Kittle, I got him at number four. You I moved him actually one spot down since uh, we last talked about some tight ends. I moved him one spot below Kyle Pitts right now. And that was more in line, of course, with the ADP over there, tight end four, the ECR, tight end four. And the reason why I just did that is because of consistency. Like, we don't know where we're going to get a Trey Lance, necessarily, we know that George Kittle, unfortunately, if anybody gets hurt on an offensive line, turns into a glorified offensive lineman and just doesn't become part of the game plan. So I do think the consistency for Kyle Pitts is going to be a little bit higher, which is ultimately why I moved him to three. But that was the only shuffle I really had over the past couple of weeks when it comes to tight ends. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm George, concerned about George Kittle. You talked about the inconsistency. This is definitely the most talented tight end, I think, in the league still. A guy that can definitely dominate and carry you to victory in a week, but also can lose a lot of games for you because of that usage as you talked about. I'm highly concerned about George Kittle. While I have him kind of in my top five, I have him just kind of hanging on by a thread. Um, I'm very concerned about Trey Lance and the usage. I think that you talked about the offensive line, him being a glorified blocker. The offensive line is very scary. The clinchies are starting off the season kind of already banged up. The interiors are atrocious at best. I don't even know who after starters are right now inside your line, interior line, I should say. Um, So I think George Kittle has a chance to kind of be a glorified blocker early on. I kind of worry about, you know, will he be a guy you can have in your lineup week in, week out, and you kind of bank on as a top five tight end? Or is he going to be a guy that you have, you know, great stretches with, but you always kind of maybe have somebody else as an option just because existence is definitely something you got to reckon with.
2: Well, and the other thing that holds him back from being, you know, a number one tight end overall or number two tight end overall is the touchdowns. Now, maybe we don't know what the usage is going to be, but with Trey Lance, do we think that with his mobility and the way they might utilize him in the red zone, could that lead to Kittle being more utilized in the red zone, you think? Or do you think it's just going to be more of the same ultimately when it comes to that part of the field?
1: I mean, I think it's going to be more of the same. I know I think he had a fluke touchdown when one of the games that Lance did start. It was kind of like off somebody else's hands and, or a, a poor throw, I should say, and Kittle kind of pulled it out. But for the most part, he wasn't necessarily targeted. I'm worried about Trey Lance running the ball in a lot more with this 49er offense than Jimmy Garoppolo is ever going to do. So that's something I'm concerned about, especially in the red zone.
2: Well, George Kell's not the only tight end on this list, actually, that has trouble with touchdowns. Surprising when you're talking about the top five tight ends, but Kyle Pitts only had one last year. I have a feeling, though, with Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter, what kind of offense Arthur Smith is going to probably run the red zone with those guys at the quarterback position. It's got to get better than the one touchdown. That's really the only thing holding them back, right? Because even if you add Drake London into the mix, there's still plenty of targets. This offense is going to be consolidated around really the focal point guys. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Cordo Patterson coming out of the backfield for the most part. So while there might not be a ton of volume in general, because it's so focused on your key guys from a fantasy standpoint, it actually isn't that unpredictable. It isn't that hard to figure out who's going to get the ball and what their volume standpoint is going to be. So the big question is going to be, and I'll ask you, Chris. I think I know the answer: Is Marcus Mariota going to be better with Kyle Pitts in the red zone than Matt Ryan was?
1: I mean, can you be worse? I don't think you can. That's the big question. I don't think you could be a one-armed, you know, quarter right-handed guy throwing a ball left-handed and still have one touchdown pass to Kyle Pitts, a guy who's absolute freak in nature. I agree with you. The aggression thing, I'm not always huge on, but in this in this term in this case, I should say. I think you look at this guy has nothing but regression to the norm where he's probably going to have at least seven to eight touchdowns guaranteed. I love the London him pairing inside it means you can't double him. Uh, you saw Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey's careers kind of take off together when both those guys were together. I think having two guys that you can hard to target safeties have to kind of pay attention to both guys. You can't do bracket coverage opens up things. And I'm not worried about the volume. I think the volume will be there consistently because you can't guard either one of these guys. So I think six or seven catches per game is going to be there. Calvin Ridley would have been, you know, a top guy had he been in an offense longer than it was a game or two, I think, beginning of the season last year. I think but they four have been games
2: before he got suspended. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they have been, you know, the offense has been able to kind of feature more than one guy. Arthur Smith is a guy who loves used tight ends, loves to have, you know, different guys utilized in that position, but having one guy kind of consolidated in that position. I think it's going to benefit him, and I think so. you're going to see him involved not only in between the 20s, but also in the 20s. I love Kyle Pitts this year. I definitely have him a top five. I just don't have him necessarily as a top three guy.
2: And and quick correction, not not suspended, but when he went, it decided to go away for his mental health after about four games, I believe it was. Yes. So Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, number one, number two, my board, everybody's board, ECR's board, ADP's board. Okay, that, that's number one. That's number two. Is there anything, Chris, you want to add? I mean, Mark Andrews did technically finish as the number one tight end last year. So do you have any kind of feedback on Kelsey being back at one and Andrews being at two?
1: Um, I think that this is kind of also a regression to the norm. Travis Kelsey had a quote unquote down year last year, and a lot of people were down on him because it took him in the first round. He wasn't the top scorer, but Mark Andrews scored 307 you know fantasy points and so full point PPR last year. I think it was like 250 or 240 and a half point PPR. But regardless, he was a top scorer. But those numbers aren't repeatable. There only been uh, four guys in the history of the time positions musicians ever put over those numbers, and none of them repeated the following season. So Mark Andrews kind of had a, a great season, particularly the last five games, where Tyler Huntley was the quarterback and was just basically be- defeating him on a golly amount of targets, similar to Amasi Brown in Detroit. Um, so I think those numbers are kind of unsustainable. While Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyreek Hill moved on. So what he did last year could just be scratching the surface. Tight ends age well. Tony Gonzalez was still highly effective in year 2000, 2008, 2009 with the Kansas City Chiefs, by the way. Um, Anthony, uh, Antonio Gates continued to be a valuable starter. So, those guys who are kind of the top tier guys are usually ring king throughout the time. So, I think Travis, um, Travis Kelsey is still that guy. Mark Andrews to me is the one that I'm going to knock down a peg where I actually, and I'm probably, you know, of the few, have Dalton Schultz as my number two tight end. But Mark Andrews to me is my third tight end. I do see a little bit of regression. Wait, 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 I do a little bit of concerns with Bateman being state your
2: case. Hold on. Wait, wait. Did I hear that correct? Dalton Schultz is the number two tight end.
1: You did. You did. I want
3: the truth. You can't handle the truth.
2: I, I need an explanation.
1: All right. So we all agree that the Ravens, you know, volume in the passing attack isn't super high. We tend to agree that Mark Andrews is probably Lamar's favorite target, although Marquise Brown, had a fair amount of targets, come up comparable. Now, Rashad Bateman takes over number one, a guy who can run the whole receiver tree, and with Greg Roman's offense, actually might be allowed to. Add Isaiah Likely, a guy who's probably going to be out there on the field and two tight end sets. So you got a couple different mouths to feed now. Mark Andrews had his career high nine touchdowns last year and had 1,300 yards. I think Dalton Schultz is now number two in the food chain when it comes to the passing attack, other than C.D. Lamb, as we know. Um, is I think Dak Prescott's most comfortable and preferable target, so I think the volume consistency is going to be there week in, week out. A guy that you saw utilized heavily in the red zone, and I think that will continue. Had a 15% target share last year. Why won't that go up without Amari Cooper, without Wilson, without some of the mouths that have moved on, without Michael Gallup at the beginning of the season? So for me, Dalton Schultz, with a healthy Ezekiel Elliott, who's also going to command some more attention, I love Dalton Schultz as a number two tight end. I think Mark Andrews might be fading a little bit. Also, I'm concerned about the contract. Baltimore does have all the reasons in the world to kind of make sure he's a top tight end again this year.
2: I couldn't couldn't disagree more. I love Dalton Schultz, but number two tight end, he's simply just not talented enough to be a number two tight end like a Mark Andrews. He's not athletic enough to beat out these guys like Kyle Pitts Is not there. Plus, talk about him being the number two pass catcher, maybe until Michael Gallup gets back, that's a possibility. But when he gets back into the fold, he goes back down to being the number three. They paid Gallup to be that number two guy. That's who they're going to be utilizing there. And then don't sleep on Jalen Tolbert whatsoever either, who I think is a more than adequate replacement for Cedric Wilson. So I don't think you're losing much there.
1: Jalen Tolbert might begin the season as one of the top starters for the Dallas Cowboys. If you, if you I don't the know where you're hearing camp, that. So.
2: He's he's already he's already penciled in as as, as a starter. <laughs> like I don't I don't know where you're I don't know where you're seeing that at.
1: Well, after two back-to-back preseason duds, and the fact that he's got demoted to the fourth receiver, and when it was coming the first team snaps, that's where I heard it from.
2: Where Where um, did you see that? Because that's not the case.
1: Pro folk. Every- pro-
2: I'm going to say every, all, every depth chart where you go to NFL.com, ESPN, he's listed as number two starter, right? Well, I should say number three because they have Michael Gallup there and until Michael, when Michael Gallup gets back. But that has not been the case anywhere.
1: that's been the case that he hasn't been getting a lot of the first team snaps and hasn't been getting the majority of them the last two weeks after the last two poor preseason games.
2: We'll have to look in the deep, deeper of that because that's not what I've been, that's not the information I've been getting at all. The information I've been getting is that Jalen Tolbert is already ready to go as a starting receiver, assuming Michael Gallup cannot play week one, but nonetheless here nor there, when it comes to Dalton Schultz, the guys is not talented enough to overtake a Mark Andrews, a Kyle Pitts, uh, even a George Kittle for that matter. Maybe Darren Waller and again, that goes back to Waller having the hamstring injury, but there are limitations to what Dalton Schultz can do on the field. He can be a safety blanket, but a safety blanket only gets you so far. Only four tight ends
1: since 2020 have started scored more points than him.
2: That's nice. And all four of them are in front of them on our rankings. Moving On, on though. On the decline. Who's on the decline? Mark Andrews is there. Like, what are you talking Mark, about? Mark because Mark That's Andrews had his
1: career highs last year.
2: So he's obviously he's not on the decline.
1: Well, I'm sorry, the numbers will be on the decline from last year's.
2: Kyle Pitts is on the decline.
1: Kyle Pitts is a guy that I have on my list below him, but I think Kyle Pitts is definitely a guy on the SN yes wasn't a guy that I had necessarily in my top five going into the season.
2: Yeah. We're going to have to just agree to disagree. So I want to move on into the bust tight ends and we'll see exactly what comes up with Dalton Schultz. Oh, I'm actually, before we do move on, there was one question I wanted to ask you when it comes to these guys, and we're talking about Travis Kelsey, a lot of people are disappointed with him in the first round last year. Would you do it this year knowing that Tyree kills out of the way and you're talking probably at least from a volume standpoint, wide receiver one level numbers.
1: Yeah, I definitely would. I think that you have the opportunity for number one receiver, top tier receiver numbers, but you also have a guy who's consistently been doing it for you. So when you have number one pick, you want a guy who's been out there, been mostly healthy for the most part of his career. And like I said, at a tight end position, the guy can continue to produce even at the age of 32. So you put all those factors together. I think Travis Kelsey is still definitely a guy that if you're in a tight end premium position, definitely want to have him. And even in other some leagues, he could be receiver one for you. So I think this guy he has to be on your radar.
2: Now, where would you take uh, – we'll throw in Schultz there real quick since you got him at number two ridiculously. Where would you be comfortable drafting him? Or, or not, I should say the other top three, let's say, tight ends.
1: Look, I'm not early on tight ends. And that's probably why you're mocking me right now. But I, I think most of these tight ends, I don't want to touch around six or seven. I'm going to kind of let the, the board fall as it may. I like some of the later value more so. So the top tier guys, I'm not trying to necessarily buy high on. I think there's maybe two, three guarantees in that in those top three. I think Andrews is a safe guy. I think Pitts is definitely one of the more wild card guys, but definitely a safer guy. After that, I think it's you know pick your poison from week to week. So I think those top three or four guys I really like, and after that, I'm not as high on the guys. Travis Kelsey is the only one I'm taking in the first three or four rounds. Maybe another guy in the fifth round, depending on how you know tight end premium league or something like that. But for the most part, I'm not looking at tight ends sixth, seventh round right now.
2: Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I know for me, we're we're gonna talk about some sleepers obviously later on in the show today, but there aren't a ton of guys that I love late. And this is like the one year where I feel like I'm not I don't necessarily have a round in mind where I'm targeting guys, but I do have a cutoff. And that cutoff for me is that TJ Hawkinson Dallas Goddard cutoff, where it's tight end seven, tight end eight, where after that, I don't necessarily want to get stuck with one of the tight ends after that. I don't necessarily want to get stuck having to stream. Cause I think that's basically what happens after that point. That's not something I'm looking to do this year. So this year, more than other years, I would say in the past, I find myself actually taking tight ends a little bit earlier because I don't want to get stuck off at a certain tier point, but there are some guys that I do have on my radar in case that winds up happening. Cause you never know what happens at the draft. You might have to be able to, you know, adapt and if you, even if you go in with that strategy, there might be value on the board you can't not pass up on. And then as a result, you might up having the punt at the tight end position. So we'll have some sleepers we're talking about later in the show. But this year in particular, I find myself having a strong cutoff line. I want to make sure I get one of the top eight tight ends and whatever round that dictates. I'm kind of going with it. But let's move into our bust area. And let's start off with our number five bust, Mr. Dawson Knox. A- tight end bummers. So Dawson Knox right now, his his ECR is sitting at tight end 10, his ADP is at tight end 10. Now I'm only two spots lower. I'm at tight end 12. I know it's technically still having him as a tight end one. When you're when you're talking about like five positions in each category, each segment that we want to do here, it gets a little hard with the tight end position, especially since there's there's not that many of them to begin with. So my main thing though, I want to bring up with Dawson Knox, is more of a concern rather than outright, I think he's gonna be a bum, or I think that he's a pothole for what he's being drafted as. He's one of those guys from last year and there's a handful of them that if they don't replicate the ridiculously high touchdown rate, they had a season ago they're You're going to find yourself with a, you know, maybe top 20 tight end, like a bottom tier tight end too. very easily could happen with the addition of Isaiah McKenzie taking over the slot with Gabriel Davis coming into his own. I think there's a real chance. We're going to see Dawson Knox's touchdowns, take a hit. I like the player. I like the offense, but there's too much of a cliff drop possibility. I don't know. What do you think about Dawson Knox being that he's going at tight end 10, and then I just I just have a little bit of concern on the guy?
1: Yeah, I think if you have concerns with some of the tight ends, like as you pointed out, I think there's definitely a lot of variety towards the end. So I think it's you know, wise to pair him up no matter what when you get to a certain cliff that you're comfortable with. Um, Dallas Knox to me is a guy that I'm kind of looking at, at below that next tier as you talk about Hawkinson. A Goddard, maybe I kind of have him maybe just below those two guys, where I do think he has a, a clear role and maybe not necessarily as targets. I know what you're talking about. You know, is he going to be able to produce the touchdowns? Is he going to kind of produce the outrageous rate he did last year? Probably not. But what excited me is Dallas Knox is very athletic and he didn't drop the ball. and did all the little things last year, and I'm not hearing great things about OJ Howard in this offense or how he's physically looking. So I'm not really worried about him kind of you know vulturing him out of there. And Josh Allen, in game situations, when it mattered, looked for Dallas Knox. I saw something similar, why I'm big on Dalton Schultz, A similar last year, going into last year. I heard why Mark Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and all the receivers were going to make Dalton Schultz irrelevant. Even Blake Jarwin might steal his job. But Dalton Schultz still was really productive. Dallas Knox, if anything, will have less attention. I haven't heard great things about James Cook stealing all these catches, Dawson I don't Nox necessarily, no I don't, I'm I don't, I keep sorry, Dallas, I, like. I, keep, I keep Dawson down. It's somebody else. And I apologize, guys. That's a player from back in the day. Um, so Dawson Knox, <laughs> yeah, Dawson Knox, I can say it correctly, um, is a guy that you kind of might benefit from having less attention, isn't a guy that teams can actually game plan for with all the different mouths. You kind of talked about Gabe Davis, but isn't really falling on the food chain too much comparable to what was the rhetoric going in. So McKenzie might play a little bit. They had Cole, you know, had the Cole Beasley. They had, um, I forget the other receiver they had last year to slot. They had Sanders. Um, and then they added this year, they added more tight ends. Like I said, OJ Howard, they added Cook. Cook's not really going to be a third down back necessarily. So all those different things, I think that these guys saw has a path to production. So 12-10, I think you're kind of split the house. I can understand kind of the, the concerns though.
2: We got a question in here from Millen Jane. And do you think Mike Isiki will be a bust this year? Mike Isiki right now is ADP is going at tight end 13. I don't know how much of a bust he is. Cause I just feel like that's kind of like his value to begin with. Um, I will say I'm not really targeting him. This isn't like last year where he's one of the guys that was targeting late was okay with it. There's already been talk about some trade rumors about Mike Isiki. Now, if he gets traded, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up at. We might have a different conversation but I do think there's other ways you can go with a Mike Isecki. What do you think, Chris?
1: I'm not touching Mike Gusecki unless he is traded. I 100% agree that this is he's a bus waiting to happen. 13's way too rich for my blood. There's a lot of other guys I like, and you're hearing nothing but negatives out of camp. Um, they were playing Smythe over him in blocking situations. Gusecki's not really involved in the game plans from my understanding, so I'm not a fan this year at all. As a player, what? I love him.
2: I I knew that was going to happen because you're going into this type of offense where your tight end needs a block. Mike Isecki was losing playing time early last season. If you remember two guys who blocked better and now all of a sudden you get in this offensive system. Yeah. It just, this isn't the system for him. So I hope that the rumors are true about him getting possibly traded. We'll have to see exactly how that plays out. Uh, Let's move on here to our number four bust, which is Mr. Cole Komet. And again, not a guy that I'm crazy lower on, but his ECR right now is tight end twelve. ADP sitting at tight end 14, and I have him at tight end 16. So it just goes, you know, two, 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 and 2 i am just not big on the Bears' offense in general. It's uh, While well, I recognize that Cole Komet is in a situation where he could be the second best pass catcher on the team, that is in his realm of outcomes, and I don't dispute that at all. I don't really expect it to be an overly productive passing offense to begin with. So I'm just not big on it. Cole Komet, for me, in order for him to g- come back with the high-end tight end two, low-end tight end one area that he's being valued at. He's going to have to get a lot of touchdowns. Something he hasn't really done to this point in his career. Now, that could all change in his in his third year, and I get all that. But we haven't really seen the touchdown prowess, and he's not like an over-the-top athlete. So unless the Bears are going to really put a focus on featuring Cole Komet in the red zone, I think he's another guy who kind of falls in a similar vein of Dawson Knox for me where – I'm not really too big on what your touchdowns could be. If you don't get the touchdowns, I think there could be a real floor here. So I'm not really looking to hype on Cole Komet, especially since a lot of people seem to be on him as one of those back end tight ends. But where are you?
1: Yeah, I'm one of those people that was a back end tight end. I understand the concerns, and I'm not big on Chicago's offense. But I also think that we look at, you know, last year for particular, with Justin Fields as a the quarterback, they had seven touchdowns in the tight end position. Cole Komet had one of those. Jimmy Graham has like four or five of them. Jimmy Graham's not there anymore. They had Jesse James catch another one. He's not there anymore. Basically, all the other guys who caught the touchdown passes aren't there anymore. I think that's the big concern for Cookman was the red zone usage, and that with Jimmy Graham moving on, they basically had to justify paying him ten million dollars per season for the last two years for no reason. So I think it's a big part of why we saw Cookman get not kind of the the you know money ball in the, in the red zone. Um, so I think that changes this year. I think he's clearly the number two target in his offense behind Darrell Mooney. I don't like any other receiver in his offense. When they come, whether it's catch up, whether it's, you know, they're down. We saw Pat Vermouth be very productive with, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger and pathetic Pittsburgh offense last year. I think this guy has a very similar floor. So I like him. But I understand, like I said, once you get past that top, you know, tier guys, there's a lot of things that you start seeing warts on where they could be concerning.
2: And again, I'm not that much lower on him than everybody else's. Just a few extra spots, enough to make this list for today. But here's somebody who I am a lot lower on, and I kind of surprised myself because I didn't think I would be and I, because I'm a big fan of this player. And that's Irv Smith. Still dealing with the thumb injury. He is trying to. He's back at practice, I believe he was, today. He wasn't catching balls yet, but he was trying to get in some full-team drills. So it's good to see that he's working his way back. But Irv Smith right now, his ECR is a tight end fifteen. ADP at tight end 17, and I got him down at 23. The big reason is I think we're going to see a lot more K.J. Osborne than people are anticipating, and that's my big reason for why I don't have Ersmith quite as high. I don't have him as that mid-level tight end 2 who's knocking in that sleeper category like a lot of other people like to have him at. I like the talent of the guy, but he is yet to be able to stay healthy since he's coming to the NFL. I don't know if that suddenly disappears. Oh, by the way, here's another thing. It's another system that needs a blocking tight end. It's not Irv Smith specialties. No, it's another guy who I question how often are you necessarily going to be on the field? What do you think about Irv Smith?
1: So first of all, just a full disclosure, Dan and I's Irv Smith Sr. went to our high school as alumni from our high school. So we have a soft spot for Irv Smith Jr. Um, I love Irv Smith Jr. the player. I hated when the Vikings drafted him. I hated the Vikings being on the Vikings still. Um, I am definitely down on Earth for junior. I'm not buying the hype. The talent is definitely there. The fit depth is not. Dan, I'm going to ask you, did, did the Detroit Lions have better receivers and more receivers than they had last year going into last season? Sure. Okay. And the reason I ask that is because we heard a lot of hype going into about the Rams, about Tyler Higby, and how he kind of ended the season for the Rams, including for myself. And then we saw when they had a healthy receivers in Los Angeles, who didn't get the ball so much anymore, tight end position. Talk about KJ Osborne. They have different guys in that slot position in the receiver core that can get be on the field. I think you're going to see a lot of three or four receiver sets. That's what you're hearing out of camp. You're going to see dobbin Cook be utilized as a receiver and be moved around as a receiver and lining up as so. So when you pull those things, you talked about a blocking tight end. I loved Joe Everett as a player for a long time. The reason Tyler Higby got that chance for the Rams at the beginning of the season was because he blocked. Everett moved on because he doesn't. Irv Smith kind of reminds me of that guy who doesn't block, so you might get some, but week-to-week, week, how are you going to figure that out?
2: Yeah, and that, that's the unfortunate part. That's why I was going to bring up with Tyler Higby. I was like, Higby wasn't getting thrown the ball quite as much, but he was still on the field all the time. We might not even get that out of Irv Smith. What we want to do now is take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got the top two busts that we're going to give you, and, of course, our Sleeper 5 tight ends to round out our Bust 5, Best 5, and
3: Sleeper 5 series.
2: So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back right after this. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. This brand new sponsor has the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt with a little bit of a dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 20% off with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at TrueClassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs. But most of us are packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. True Classic doesn't just stop at tees. They are your one-stop shop for men's essentials. Super easy and simple to fill out your wardrobe. From polos and workout shirts with the same flattering fit to boxer briefs designed with a pouch to keep your bulge nice and comfortable. All their gear is top-notch quality at reasonable prices. It's about time you learned how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at TrueClassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100 and 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. All right. Welcome back in, everybody, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're talking about the best five, the bust five, and the sleeper five, tight ends. Had some good debate there in the first part of the show. Chris, I think, is going to get a tattoo of Dalton Schultz on his ass at some point this season, or we're going to have to make a bet so we can make that Just happen. Just this season. Just this season. Just a very temporary tattoo on his ass for Dalton Schultz. Uh, we got to get into our top two busts now. And our number two guy, unfortunately, he was, I actually thought he was going to be a sleeper of mine, and he's now on my other list. That's going to be Albert O., His ECR right now is a tight end 16. His ADP is at tight end 13. I have moved him down to tight end 25. I had him at tight end 16 to start spring, basically. like Going into it, preliminary rankings. Had him right there in that mid-level tight end 2. Guy had my eye on. And I don't like anything I'm seeing. And even though Greg Dolchich right now, he's not practicing much because he's been dealing with a core muscle injury and I believe a hamstring issue on top of it. After watching Alberto play into the fourth quarter because he needed practice reps to block. Yeah, even if he starts off the season as the week one starting tight end, he is going to be on the shortest leash of all leashes, I believe, when it comes to these tight end prospects. So I can't do I can't do it. I can't do it. Sorry, Alberto. I like your talent. I like the offense of Denver, but... I'm just not liking what I'm seeing. He clearly has not taken the next step up that he needs to take, and now I'm completely off of him as my number two bus tight end.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Unfortunately, I love Albert O. I think the problem is this guy probably isn't the most uh, crisp of a route runner and doesn't do the always what he needs to be or always where he should be on the field. Uh, as an athlete, looks a little raw. I um, I also think it's not solely a coach's preference. We talked about you know what they're looking for. I'm not a great Doltage fan. I think he's Jay Stenberger part two. But the reason Jay Stenberger got drafted in, in the first place in Green Bay is they're looking for that kind of pass catching quote unquote tight end. Um that hybrid, you know, slot receiver guy. So Albert O is actually good block, can actually be a legitimate tight end. I think he'll be on the field, but even if he is, it's probably to just block. Um, so yeah, unfortunately the, the Albert O is gonna not gonna be this year. Uh looks to me like a lot like Moalley Cox, the guy that you just can't wait till it gets a chance, he just never does.
2: Yeah, and this is it goes further than my point of like I'm just not big on these tight ends that are in these earlier teens that are, are talked about as sleeper tight ends or talk about guys that you would normally draft if you put in a position. I'm just not a big fan of a lot of them, which is again why I go back to I've been drafting tight ends a little bit earlier this year because I'm hitting a certain cutoff point that I just don't want to have to go through because everything else is just gonna be streaming nightmare after that. Here's a guy though that I think a lot of people are on, and I'm telling you right now. He has got a bust-out floor written all over him, and that's Hunter Henry. Right now, his ECR is a tight end 13. Now, the public is actually a little closer to, uh, to where I am, a tight end 19, and I got him a tight end 24. You want to talk about a boom or bust touchdown-dependent tight end last year? That was Hunter Henry. What happens this season when Janu Smith gets more involved, which, by the way, they've been talking about getting him manufactured touches they did some of that last year, too, and do not want to come to fruition on the field. So we we do have to see how that plays out. But it's hard for me to believe that Janu Smith's getting paid when he's getting paid, and he's not going to get utilized in the same rate that he was last season. And by the way, Hunter Henry's touchdown rate is just due to regress. It's just due to regress back to the mean, at least to some degree, because it was so astronomically high last season. I think it was up over 12%. That's very unheard of. Henry, to me, is a guy that it just has too much of a floor in his pathway. That's why he's my number one bus, especially with where he's being valued at, especially compared to the rest of the industry, who's going to have you kind of think that Hunter Henry's a guy to take a shot on. And I'm saying, don't bother.
1: Yeah. Part of that reason, the coach that kind of was responsible for Janus Smith, you know, atrocious usage has moved on to Vegas. That's kind of why I'm not big on Darren Waller still either. Um, But I think that you talked about a guy that Hunter Henry has been a guy that you like opportunity. You like talent. But the guy is never healthy. And then I talk about more mouths to feed on an offense that you're kind of questionable what it's going to be moving to the season. Janu Smith should be to a lot of the contract. They added multiple weapons. They have a plethora of different receivers. They had Thornton I know he got hurt, but he'll be back eventually. So they have Aguilar who's getting great, you know, pub out of camp Horn. I guess he's just screwed himself out of camp, but they have a bunch of other guys are kind of, you know, utilizing right now. So I think when it comes to it, Hunter Henry's a guy who can fall into a couple touchdowns here or there, but a guy that you definitely aren't taking in your top 13 in my book.
2: I figure we bring in our official spokeswoman of the New England Patriots, Danielle. Come on in here. Give us your opinion on both the Hunter Henry and Janu Smith situation.
0: Yeah. um, First of all, I was shaking my head the entire time that you were speaking. I was over here just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Um, I disagree completely, and I'm usually not one to be on the positive side of the Patriots, even as a Patriots fan, but John Jonu Smith was a complete bust last year, and obviously it was his first year on the Patriots, but it was very disappointing for, like you said earlier, how much we are paying him. You kind of expect a lot more of him than what we saw, and every single time that Mac would throw him the ball, he'd be wide open for a touchdown, and he would drop it or just not be able to catch it, which is just so baseline tight end. Hunter Henry had a great season. He was very exciting for me. I don't think he's a top draft pick by any means, but I would say to use him if Kelsey is on a bye week or Waller or somebody else, I think he'd be a good backup because I feel like he will be pretty reliable.
2: Okay. So some, some hope from the Patriots fan, from our intern Danielle when it comes to Hunter Henry not quite raining on the parade like we are. Danielle, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, let's, let's let's slide on into our sleeper five actually while while we're talking about it. Let's talk about Donald Parham. Having trouble finding drops today. We're gonna we're we're gonna talk about him because look, his ECR is tight in 40, his ADP is tight in 49. I got him up at tight end 31. Obviously, I'm not telling you to draft Donald Parham. Obviously, okay? But we talked about Jared Everett a little bit. We kind of mentioned his name at least earlier in the show. The thing going on with the Chargers right now, the thing about Everett, is that he never holds on to his job. Why does he never hold on to his job? Because he doesn't block. He's not good enough at it. Parham's a very interesting athlete who, one, he can block, but two, he's not far off when it comes to Jared Everett as far as his athletic profile goes. Now, the reason why, the only reason why he's not a starter right now is because he's been dealing with that hamstring injury, which I think he's supposed to miss again this week. So this isn't somebody that I'm saying that come week one is going to be on your radar but I think before the season is out, Donald Parham is going to be somebody you picked up off the waiver wire, and he's going to be that streaming tight end that might have come through for you and finish somewhere close to that top 12 in this offense. I think he's got the potential to be that guy, and I think he will be the starting tight end for the Chargers before the season is out. So there's something I want you to keep your eye on your waiver list for, but Chris, what do you think about Donald Parham this season?
1: Yeah, that's a little tough for me. I mean, this guy's been getting the hype for the last couple of years until this season. Every year was supposed to be his year to break out. He's made that guy because of the freaking nature talent he talked about. He definitely is a, a, a specimen, a guy that can, you know, 6'8, can jump out of the gym, uh, can use his body well. I think the things that were kind of, you know, maybe he's improved as a blocker, but he's a willing blocker. I think he still has the kind of ways to go there. Um, Everett's a the guy that also gets banged up. You kind of alluded to, kind of still loses his job. That's often because usually he gets hurt and then doesn't return we get the opportunity kind of returns the starter happened to him in the Rams happened to him in Seattle so I think this could be a situation where Everett if he's healthy will be the guy uh, I think Parham has some ups- upside I like him as a guy that you definitely add if you know Everett's hurt but it isn't a guy that necessarily I'm really that, that high on because I think there's a lot of other tight ends that could be on your radar that might be having more pathways to production versus a guy who's kind of been you know a hype thing for the last couple of years because of his height and his weight and his ability to kind of get open in the red zone
2: to be clear here, this would be his third year, and we look for a third year breakout for tight end. So, just somebody to have on your radar again. Not talking about drafting him, a very very deep sleeper indeed. Here's another guy though that everybody knows this name, and I think are sleeping on a little bit too hard. And he just recently has some good news come out as Logan Thomas. So right now his ECR is at tight end twenty five, and his ADP is all the way down at tight end thirty one. I got him at my tight end nineteen now. It's kind of funny. My, my advice coming on to the show is going to be Logan Thomas is the guy that if you are punting at the tight end position, draft him with your last pick, throw him in your IR until he comes back because you got potentially a top 12 guy or a guy who's been a top 12 guy coming off of your IR spot. Now, all of a sudden, I don't know that he starts off in the pup list because now he's back at practice already. And Rivera today after seven on seven drills was talking about. You know, he might actually be active for week one. I wouldn't expect him to have his full role week one, but he might actually be active week one, which is a hell of a turnaround considering he had multiple lig- ligament damage. It wasn't just an ACL. It wasn't in It wasn't MCL. It, it was a few things there with Logan Thomas. He's one of those few guys right now that are going late. Like I said, one, he's done it before. Two, Washington needs a red zone threat. and needs somebody to be that guy. I don't see why that couldn't be Logan Thomas. And three, we still don't know about who's the second pass catcher next to Terry McLaurin. It could be Jahan Dotson, but he's a rookie. We haven't seen it yet. Curtis Samuel at this point is just never going to stay healthy long enough for that to matter. So Logan Thomas, to me, especially as we get towards the second half of the season, might be somebody really interesting. And I might take a flyer on late.
1: I 100% agree. If he's healthy. And then, you know, it's a, you know, a big if in a sense, but already we're hearing good things out of camp as you kind of alluded to. If he's healthy, I think Logan comes could be an absolute steal, and you give great advice about kind of stashing a guy that could be somebody, you know, a guy that you could utilize throughout the season. Carson Wentz has always liked to use his tight end. Um, Scott Turner, going back to his Carolina days, always utilized his tight end. So I think this is a guy that's basically is going to be the second fiddle in the offense when it comes to the red zone, as you talked about even maybe possibly in the passing attack overall. You have a rookie in Dotson still kind of getting his wet feet his feet wet. Curtis Samuel, is he ever on the field to actually be that third receiver? Um, so, you know, kind of these guys, even the Gibsons kind of getting his knocks. So there's a lot more mouths that are kind of moving off. And then you saw kind of Bates last year have a decent stretch. You see Ricky Seals Jones have a decent stretch. So this Washington Titans, you know position can feed you. So I'm with you on Logan Thomas.
2: And Look. If If he's not, if he is active week one, I should say, I'm probably not gonna be as aggressive yeah. about p- t- drafting him later on. I would just pick him up off the waiver wire. Like I said, part of my strategy was going to be I could put him on my IR spot, pick up somebody else, and just kind of stash him. I don't know that's that's gonna be the case. So him actually being healthy might take away the idea of me drafting him or giving you guys the advice to do so. But then, at that point, make sure you're watching your waiver wires. If you're streaming tight ends, that's somebody to keep your eye on. As soon as he looks healthy, as soon as he's back to getting his full snap counts, you might want to go ahead and make sure Logan Thomas is on your team in that situation. Let's talk about a third guy. Mo Ali Cox. Now, you don't have to draft him. A lot of of these sleeper tight ends that I came up with, you, you really don't have to draft. But his ECR is at tight end 28. His ADP is at tight end 41. That's just disrespectful when there's 32 teams and he's a starting tight end on one of these 32 teams and he's tight end 41. That's insane to me. He's my tight end 21, by the way. Look, I get it. Mo Ali cox is somebody we've all wanted to break out at some point. Here's what I will say. I know Kyle Pitts only had the one touchdown, but remember Matt Ryan, when it comes to his stinginess in the red zone, it's usually because of whoever that first target is it just happened to be a tight end last year years past it had been julio jones whoever that second guy is he actually tends to get into the red zone i'm just saying that first guy being michael pittman moali cox could be a monster and while frank reich has always had this tight end by committee and it's annoying i get it with moali cox he's gonna be on the field all the time because he can block they just gave him a big pay raise I'm not a fan of Kylan Granson. I don't believe in the talent. Jelani Woods, I think, will have a limited impact as a rookie this season. So if Molly Cockleson break out this year, it ain't going to happen. I'm curious to see what happens. He makes my sleeper list at number three.
1: I'm just going to say I hope you're right.
2: <laughs> that, and That's pretty much, I think that's the sentiment from everybody in the fantasy industry. We want him to break out. He should break out getting the opportunity to do so has been, has been the question. But again, I'll go back to, it. if it's not this year, it's not going to happen. It sets up well for him. Uh, we'll move on to my number two. And that's Tyler Higby. ECR tight end 21, his is at tight end 25. Again, disrespectful to put him as a tight end 25. He's a go to offense and is on the field all the time. He's my tight end 13. So I'm actually pretty aggressive on Tyler Higby. His touchdown rate should go up. All right, last year it was below 5%. His average for his career, the the average for the tight ends about 5.5. I think you're going to see him get a few more touchdowns this season. We know the Rams offense, very capable, high-scoring offense. These are the type of offenses where you can find tight ends, like a Tyler Higbee, later on, who sometimes just shock you. They just surprise you. And they just have an aberration year where they just find the end zone pretty often. We know he's on the field all the time. Talking about sleeper tight ends, this is a guy in a good position who we've seen do it before who I'm more willing to roll the dice on than some others. So Higby coming in as my number two sleeper tight end and somebody I actually would draft on this list at tight end 13. What do you think, Chris?
1: I love him as a sleeper tight end. I hate him at 13, but I understand the thinking to a degree. The upside can be there. Matthew Stafford has fed tight ends know, Higby has been productive with this offense. Van Jefferson's banged up. Tutu Atwell might be the third receiver. Not really sure who that third receiver is going to be necessarily. So there is different pathways for him to kind of that blow up as you kind of alluded to. So he's a guy that I think you can pair him with somebody and definitely take a flyer on. But 13's a little rich for my blood. Um, but Higby is a guy that, I, as you kind of alluded to, can be somebody I definitely would have on your radar as me pairing with somebody as a, a viable option going into the season
2: especially early on in the season. I don't I don't have the report in front of me, but I know Van Jefferson's still working his way back. It's a little bit questionable if he's going to be available and around for week one or not. We'll have to see. Uh, we're getting another question in here. Zach T. Mark. Uh, I got Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs stack. I didn't get a tight end until late, and I got Dawson Knox. Is that too much stacking? I'm going to assume that Zach's talking about from a best ball standpoint, because that's usually what people harp on when they talk about the stack. Now, first of all, that's a hell of a stack because you had to pay up for Josh Allen. You had to pay up for Stefan Diggs, So you went all in on, on what your number one stack must be in that. So I, I give you kudos, not something I would do, but if you believe in it, go out there and get your guy. I'm all about that. I don't think it's too much stacking in the sense of, because it's the tight end position because of where you probably drafted Dawson Knox, I don't really have a problem with it. You might as well go ahead and take a shot. And again, I'm going to assume this is from a best ball standpoint. Now, usually speaking, yes. Would it be too much stacking to get a quarterback, receiver, and tight end? I would say so. But because of the value system, the way it worked here, I'd say you're OK. What'd you think about that, Chris?
1: I 100% agree. I think that you're in a great situation, actually, because I think that if Diggs isn't scoring touchdowns, that means Docs is, and kind of vice versa then you have the kind of the, the cool, key guys. Gabriel Davis here. No, and I think Gabriel Davis is going to be involved, but let's not act like Josh Allen's going to throw two touchdown passes a game either. So there's going to be multiple balls that go around different guys. So There's a possible, just like last year, where Knox could be involved in the offense. And I think that when you have a guy, whether the weather gets bad or Stephon Diggs is getting double teamed or whatever the situation is, is going to kind of be that third option probably in the offense and a consistent option. So I think you're covering yourself. A few years back, I had Tyler Eifert and A.J. Green. Eifert was kind of down part of his career. But with having those pairing. When AJ Green didn't do it, Iford did, and vice versa. So having those kind of key guys, especially in the red zone, I think could be a, a huge boon for you. So I think it's a great a great trio you have.
2: <laughs> Zach coming in, it's not best ball. So does that change your mind? Uh a little bit because I the real the main reason why I changed my mind is not because of the stacking factor, but I'm not spending a top three draft pick on a Josh Allen, which I have to imagine is what you spent on in normal drafts, where I'm not going for best ball talent. So is it too much stacking? No, it's not too much stacking. Especially if, you're, if it's not best ball, you're talking redraft leagues, you can swap out Dawson Knox whenever the hell you want. So really not that it's not too much stacking from that standpoint. Uh, just not the strategy that I would have went with, but Zach, my hat's off to you. Good luck this season. Make sure you keep tuning in. We'll help you out throughout the week, and you'll turn it into a championship team anyway, even if it's not what I would have done. Let's get to our number one sleeper, though. That's Austin Hooper. Or I should say my number one sleeper. His ECR right now is at tight end 23. His ADP is at tight end 28. And I got him up at tight end 14. There's a lot of flux about the pass catchers in Tennessee. Traylon Burke scaring a lot of people. Not getting a whole lot of reviews. Even I, a big Traylon Burks fan, did move him down a little bit in my redraft rankings. Robert Woods should be back and healthy. And that's a really good thing. But somebody else has to emerge, especially in the red zone. And all accounts are Ryan Tannehill has been loving him. Some Austin Hooper connection. I don't think Hooper's great. He's not a top talent. Kind of like my Dalton Schultz thing. But as a sleeper tight end in that offense, I like Austin Hooper.
1: <laughs> yeah, that makes one of us. I hate Austin Hooper. I think I threw a little bit in my mouth right now. I and mean, when you just said you put him on your sleeper list and you had him in the top 15, I understand the thinking. Look, Ryan Tannehill looks at tight end position. You look at kind of tight ends. They've been utilized over the last couple of years. They definitely have been involved, but that was with Arthur Smith. Todd Dowling is the coach. Kyle Phillips is the third is the slot receiver. I think he's going to be that other third receiver in this offense with Woods and Burks and kind of you know Westbrook-Akine. I am not looking to have a tight end right now. I think the other O, or the newest O, I guys can't say his name, their Jeff Pitt. they got out of Maryland, is maybe with that weapon they kind of move around as another good tight end position, hybrid guy they can use the right zone. So I feel like Austin Hooper is not a good blocker. Isn't a guy that I think is going to be out there throughout the whole season. I am not touching Austin Hooper with
2: him. He's for an average themselves. blocker, first of all. So it, it's not, this is not an Anthony Furscher situation where he couldn't be out there. He is an average blocker who can be out Savage. there more times than not. And also, I'll add this to the point Kyle Phillips, this, all this Kyle Phillips talk needs to go away. When's the last time we've seen a third receiver of Tennessee do anything? Oh, I'll let you know, it's never, by the way. So, Austin Hooper, right now coming in with a Todd Downey offense, which also features tight ends. I don't know why we like, act like Todd Downey's not the tight end coach. Who, who was the tight end last was, year? It was Anthony it was Ferkser, who's not and, good. And what We're did not, he do? I'm all. not comparing Austin Hooper to Anthony Ferkser. There's a huge talent gap between those two players. Let's, let's add some context
1: here. Well, Todd Downey in Cleveland, Todd Downey in Chicago. When did he utilize a tight end position that was such a, a big thing that makes him a tight what end from the coach? was Todd Downing
2: before he became the offensive coordinator? A tight end, a coach. Tight end coach, doesn't, doesn't that doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, that, that has he utilized as an, right that can as an offensive that coordinator? As an offensive coordinator, has he utilized matter. tight end position? Not saying it's definitively mattering, but that can definitely matter. And I'll, I'll tell you what also matters. The fact that him and Ryan Tannehill have been the number one connection, more so than Robert Woods, more so than Traylon Burks. The number one connection in camp has been Tannehill to Austin Hooper. And you're not you might not even have to draft Austin Hooper. Look, right now, his ECR again, tight end 28, his ADP, or I'm sorry, his ADP at t- tight end 28, his ECR at tight end 23. You're not having to draft him, but you're looking for sleeper tight ends. This is a guy in a very good offensive situation with a team that's very good in the red zone, looking for red zone targets. That all screams tight end. I think it's a really good value there. I know you hate Austin Hooper, which blows my mind because the reason why you knock Austin Hooper is because he's not that talented. But Dalton Schultz is for some reason. More
1: talented than Austin Hooper it has been more talented more than Austin
2: Hooper. I'm not disputing that. I don't want to get that part
1: twisted. But yeah, and yeah and it has crazy. lived it has lived up to the hype versus Austin Hooper just keeps kind of falling down to the uh, Cleveland in like second year in Atlanta this year. We'll see.
2: And Cleveland is in three man rotation inexplicably.
1: Exactly. But the last, but the last exactly time he saw and, and-, he- and got paid and was still in three man rotation. Just saying he's so great, probably would have been on the field.
2: Well, he was on the field. Hold on. He was on the
1: field. He still had more snaps than anybody else in Cleveland. So the guy who's not going to be on the field with him is one of some of the sleepers I thought you would have. I thought you have David Njoku on this list. I'm really surprised that he's not because I love David Njoku. I'm sorry.
2: This this, this David Njoku stuff needs to go away. You want to talk about a guy who has not been able to live up to the hype despite the fact that he's supposed to be this athletic guy and yet still doesn't get his opportunities enough in the red zone. And I also, I know Jacoby Brissett threw the ball a lot to Mike Gesicki. Some of that was out of default last season where they didn't have any other receivers healthy on the field. I'm not buying into any pass catcher as long as Jacoby Brissett's going to be the starting quarterback at Cleveland this upcoming year. And now that we know Deshaun Watson suspended for at least 11 games, unless they go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't want to touch anybody with a 10-foot pole that's a pass catcher on Cleveland Browns. That includes David Njoku.
1: That's the only player I am buying in that offense through passing 10 is David Njoku.
2: No, no, sorry, not, not, not with you on that. So we got a couple of differences. Different on Austin Hooper. I'll say different on Schultz as far as where we have him ranked. Although we still have both have him as a top tier tight end. What else we different on?
1: Well, I like Evan Ingram was like I am surprised you don't have on the list. You talked about you know you like Mo Ali like Cox and even though Spike Frank Wright kind of having his check- checkered past with tight end usage, but Doug Peterson's been very successful utilizing tight ends. I think he's got a clear-cut opportunity. I know Dan Arnold also might be involved, but I think you could be two tight in that offense. sounds they have a plethora of awesome receivers. I think Trevor Lawrence should be coming kind of coming to his own. Check so the salary cap. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. They, they spend a lot of money on on receivers. That's true. Um, but yeah, I think we look at the red zone particularly. I think Evan Ingram is the guy that I think has some upside. The guy that I has, you know, we always like his talent. He's this actually got a chance to actually produce with a coach that has a good track record with using tight ends.
2: He can't stay healthy. He hasn't been good since his rookie season, and I think Dan Arnold might cut into his work more than people are realizing or anticipating. And they gave him a decent amount of money, but it was only a one-year contract, which means you're not necessarily committed to his success, depending upon how things go this season. I just I got to see Ingram on the field for more than eight games before I think he can actually be a sleeper tight end heading into this year. That's also why he was not on. Well, he has produced
1: this. in the past, and I just want to point that out because the people like Moelle Cox have not, so you kind of alluded to what Ember Ingram's questions are, but I also think a lot of these tight ends on the sleeper list have those questions. I think he has an opportunity, actually has shown you past production and the potential for more.
2: Look, as a guy who's going to be on your waiver wire, you're not going to draft him is he a guy who's going to be on my radar on probably going to be on my waiver report list when you're looking for streaming tight ends yeah i'm not disputing that part of it but that's why he doesn't make my list with mo ali cox i have no question he's going to be on the field all the time so that's that's point number 1 right there so that that's where i kind of start off with and then but they have like there, six tight ends was- on their
1: roster i don't i don't know how you know that cuz he has they literally have like six or seven tight ends on the roster
2: I know that because he's the starting tight end and they paid him to be as such. And he can block. That's how I know he's going to be on the field all the time. The blocking being the key part of that. So that's why I start off with that part where I'm looking for sleeper tight ends. And then it's what's your athletic ability. Well, how does the offense typically use a tight end? Do they use a tight end, in the red zone, things of that nature. Ingram, not healthy, doesn't block. I think he might actually lose the starting job to Dan Arle at some point this season, because of that reason. Well, Arles, not great. Dan I is a block.
1: Arles, not a great Dan
2: blocker but he's still better than Evan Ingram. He still grades out to be better than Ingram. That's the key part for me. So we'll have to see what happens there. We're going to call it there a show now, though. Tomorrow, we're going to be back, same time, 10 p.m. Eastern, with the full-point PPR mock draft. We had the half-point PPR mock draft last week. Draft season. That's right, draft season. we got Dave Hartman on tomorrow. We're going to have Joshua Westwood, one of the rankers here at Billy of Fantasy. And Danielle, our intern, will be on the mic all day tomorrow for that show, too. And, of course, Chris and myself. So we'll get through as many picks as we possibly can. I think last week we, we made it to 12 uh, with four people. Probably with five, we probably won't make it a full 16. We'll get through as many rounds as we possibly can. Help you guys get ready for your drafts this weekend. This is the heaviest draft weekend this weekend you're going to see for fantasy football purposes this weekend and then next weekend will be the last one make sure you're going to billyupfantasysports.com download my rankings use it as a cheat sheet make sure you're following us on social media at Show. we're getting those player news notifications out to you guys all the time subscribe to us on youtube so you always know when we go live and catch all of our content and stay up to date when you download us on your favorite podcast app on the go Guys, I'm Dan Mater, we're Chris Dahauer. We'll see you guys again tomorrow night.